Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File, your weekly show inspiring you to lead for Christ wherever you are. I'm Andy Peck, your host, thanking you for joining us. And whether you're listening live or one of the many thousands who listen via the podcast, it's great to have you along. If you're new to the show, a reminder the show is available on demand via premierradio.com or via iTunes or Podbean. And my aim with the shows is to provide knowledge, skills and attitudes for a Christian to lead so that God's work is advanced. So do continue to join us and God helping us, we will flourish in his ways. Well, Christian leadership has an uneasy relationship with some of the principles espoused by leadership textbooks. Yes, we want to learn all we can to help us lead well, but we also want to be careful we don't take our eyes off Jesus, the servant leader. And these themes and many more are investigated in a new book called Ambition, colon, What Jesus Said About Power, Success and Counting Stuff. And the author is the Reverend Dr. Emma Einson, the Bishop of Penrith and former principal of Trinity College, Bristol, the Anglican Training College. So welcome, Emma, to the Leadership File. Hi, Andy. Well, good, to, good to be with you. And congratulations on the book. It's an, an intriguing title for anyone who's involved in leadership. I came across it uh, as a kind of forthcoming title from SPCK. Uh, mm. And I appreciate that despite you being especially involved in church leadership in, in your present and past roles, you say at the start, it's, all, it's for all Christian leaders, not just those leading churches. Yes, I mean, I really hope that the book will be helpful to Christians leading in whatever sphere, really. I mean, I think some of the issues that it looks at, which are particularly around uh, how we grow, how we grow, how we count growth, how we track growth, uh, how we compare ourselves with others for good or ill, uh, what we do with ambition and success. Um, those are issues that I think impact church leaders, obviously, but also if you're a teacher or you're a doctor, you're leading in healthcare, education, in the arts. You know, these are things that affect all of us in our everyday leadership. So I guess I, I wanted to write it particularly for younger leaders, you know, those who are kind of setting out on their leadership adventure, um, but also for those who've been around the block a bit and just need a bit of refreshment, um, perhaps a new sense of purpose, a vision for the role. Um, so it's definitely for Christian leaders because it uh, very much focuses on Jesus and trying to lead in his ways. But I hope it might be really relevant uh, across a wide sphere. Sure. Uh, and you mentioned the two moments that prompted the writing of the book, uh, and it might be mm. useful to start there. The first was when your the, the church your husband serves as vicar was, was designated a resource church. Yeah. Uh, and the second right. was your own appointment to be the suffragan bishop of Penrith. Yeah. Uh, and you say in the book that when you, you talk about ambition and success in a Christian context, it can feel like swearing. <laughs> so, it can, yes. uh, so, 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 so talk to, give me some idea of the flavour of, of your uh, thinking at that point. Yeah, well, I think it was um, really crystallising some things that I've been thinking about for a while, really, is that we, we don't tend to talk about success, really, as Christians. As you say, it can sound a bit like swearing when we say words like that, and, and probably rightly so, because... You know, I don't think Jesus used the word success very much. It's not a very biblical concept, really, in that way. I mean, how do we talk about the cross, for instance? Was that successful or not? Um, but I reckon that there are many leaders who want to do a really good job at what they do, and they want to make a difference for Jesus, and they want to use that kind of inner sense of drive and ambition, if you like, for him. And so... 
being married to a vicar myself, um, being appointed as a bishop fairly recently and having been involved with training and supporting church leaders for many years, I just really wanted to take the lid off some of this stuff and to look it full in the face and to say, well, how do we do this well? You know, how do we use these God-given gifts um, in a way that is right and in line with what Jesus would say? So, yeah, there were some personal things kind of happening in my life and my family that started it all off but um i hope they might be helpful things for others as well yeah so as we as we kind of go through i just sort of a few areas that i uh, that struck me as i was reading the book um i was a, a few just kind of intriguing things as well i was intrigued the origin of the word success yes yes yeah really interesting actually both I was a linguist by background before I was oh, a vicar okay. and a yeah, bishop. Yeah. So I'm really interested in language mm. and words and kind of how we use them. And success um, comes from the Latin successus. Um, and it simply means that which follows after. So something comes first and then something else in succession. Mm. And it's only, I think, recently that we've kind of put values on that. And mm. we either see it negatively or positively. Um, the same with ambition, actually. Ambition comes from the word to walk, ambulare in Latin. Oh, right, yes. It literally just means walking forward and moving forward. Actually, it was only, um, that was quite a neutral word in mm. our language until Shakespeare came along okay. and um, made it a bit more negative. So, you know, Lady Macbeth trying to kill the king is uh, called ambitious. And I think ever since then, we've kind of tended to see that word slightly more negatively than than we might. So, so I guess what I'm trying to do is to think, well, can we redeem these concept, concepts? And rather than being a bit uh, out of bounds for Christians, uh, can we examine them and think, well, how do we think in a godly way about them? Mm. And I, I love the way you, you went back to the beginning and to the, the mandate that God gave Adam and Eve uh, and you know, reminded us that ambition has a good element to it, that man, humankind was to have an appropriate ambition in, in spreading God's love and goodness. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, God's command to Adam and Eve to fill the earth and subdue it, that to me sounds like quite an ambitious task. <laughs> you know, yes. It's quite a big, uh, a big thing to be given. And, of course, we know that Adam and Eve got that badly wrong and they, they took ambition and used it for their own ends. They saw the forbidden fruit and they thought, well, we'll have a bit of that, you know, and they kind of, ever since then, I think ambition, which could be a godly thing, um, human beings, we've tended to take it and use it for wrong for wrong reasons. So I'm really hoping that we can uh, kind of um, redeem that word. I mean, Augustine, for instance, he talks about our souls being restless and that kind of restlessness, that desire that only finds it fulfillment in God can be uh, used to do really good things for God on the earth. But we need to think rightly about them and uh, put everything at the foot of the cross, really. And and you look specifically at the word leadership in the Bible, um, and I was I love what you said because I the little work I'd done on the topic uh, kind of confirmed the sort of things you were saying that that, oh, good. that the word well well the word leadership is rarely kind of used as such. Uh, obviously, there's lots of leading going on, but yeah. but uh, but clearly the New Testament authors are keen to distance their leadership from that of some leadership in the Roman world. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Jesus talks about leadership. I agree with you that it's not there as a word, but it's very much there as a concept. And Jesus actually talks to his own disciples about it and says, you know, you might see other leaders lording it over those that they lead, but it's not so with you. You know, you shouldn't do it like that. You should do it differently. 
So I guess my book is trying to unpack what does a not-so-with-you type of leadership look like, you know, in the church, in the workplace. Um, And it's bound to be a leadership that's based on some of the values that Jesus talks about. So it'll be based on compassion and humility and wanting to see the other person flourish. Um, In fact, I've got a a whole chapter on the Beatitudes, you know, where Jesus describes who is blessed in the kingdom. And I just call that chapter Key Spiritual Dispositions for Ambitious People. It's kind of, you know, if we're going to lead in the way that Jesus wants us to, might those uh, descriptions in the Beatitudes be a good place to start? Yeah, no, sure. And and you write of the importance of, of failing from time to time, potentially, you know, perhaps... That we, you know, we get into the idea that we've got to be, quote, successful uh, and we don't try things because of the fear of failure. Yeah, it's, I think that's one of my favourite sections of the book, mm. <laughs> actually, what I call um, the success of failure, um, which is all about, as you say, how do we learn from the mistakes we make? Um, and I particularly point to the example, I don't know if you spotted this, of Gareth Southgate, um, who was the yes. England football manager. Mm, no, um, I, was a pre- I appreciated the footballing reference I'm not, there. I'm not, I'm not a huge football <laughs> fan myself, but I, I am forced to watch it with my husband right. and son sometimes. Sure. So, um, but Gareth Southgate you know, failed really badly in 1996. He, he missed a crucial penalty. But then he used that failure to help spur his ambitions for the, ni- uh, the 2018 World Cup team. So he kind of took the failure and redeemed it. And... Um, I think it's important that we do think about, well, what kind of failure are we talking about? Because there are different kinds and not all kinds are good. You know, some failures cause great harm to others. And I'm not saying, you know, just go ahead and fail because that's fine. But I think it's a matter of failing successfully. So failing at the right time for the right reasons and learning from that. I mean, the cross, as I said, it kind of stands at the centre of our faith and reminds us that God is in the business of redeeming failure and bringing something good out of it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and having the courage as leaders to, to try stuff that we're not sure quite what might happen um, is, is, is part of the adventure of leading. That's right. And, and, you know, we can never get everything right all of the time. And so that's why we do need to try things. We need to risk. We need to fail. I mean, as I say, it's about risking and failing well and not causing undue harm to others. But I think certainly, you know, if we're staying accountable to others, if we're talking things through, if we're looking through the lenses of faith, um, then failure can be a good thing and can be redeemed. And, and as you say, is isn't something to be afraid of. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm uh, joined this week by uh, Emma Einson. She's the um, Bishop of Penrith. And we're talking particularly about her book, uh, Ambition, uh, What Jesus Said About Power, Success and Counting Stuff. And we'll continue that after this. Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by the Reverend Dr. Emma Einson. Uh, she's the Bishop of uh, Penrith, she's former principal of Trinity College Bristol, the Anglican Training College, and uh, is the author of a new book, uh, Ambition, What Jesus Said About Power, Success and Counting Stuff. And obviously that, that book and the title uh, interested me as uh, the, the host of the Leadership File 
because it's so much of leadership connects with those kind of themes and certainly as Christians uh, and Christians in leadership we can perhaps struggle with them so this book which I've had, had the delight of reading uh, seeks to help and shed light on uh, on these kind of themes um, and so that, I love that little phrase at the end of your the title, Emma, uh, uh, counting mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> yes, uh, because and, and, naughty, really. <laughs> well, it is, but it, but it was lovely, and because that connects a little bit with your something of your husband, what your husband was finding as as a vicar sometimes, and some of the some of the trends perhaps in in the Anglican Church of of appropriately needing to account for resources and money and and, and mm, people, etc. Mm. But uh, but the, 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 it's a kind of a, a, a kind of poisoned uh, area of looking at. Um, uh, life and and things. So, so good examples and bad examples in scripture that you look at in the book. Yeah, um, I think it's important to say that the book doesn't say that counting things is bad. And in mm. fact, I think we really do need to count things, and we do need to talk about numerical church growth. You know, I'm not one of these people who says, "Oh, the numbers don't matter," because mm. I think they do. We we need to see people coming to know Jesus one by one by one. You know, yes. and we need to count those. But but you're right. I mean, the Bible's quite obsessed with counting. Actually, you know, there's loads of stuff on counting and numbers. There's even a whole book called Numbers in the yes. Old Testament. You know. Um, And it's really interesting if you look at, there are different motivations for counting things. So, for example, in 2 Samuel, um, God gives David a right good telling off because he counts his armies. And that's because um, he doesn't trust God and he kind of wants to do it in his own strength and he wants to know how many resources he's got. But then in other places, God actually orders that people are counted. He, He asks people to take a census. And really interesting, I mean, back to the thought about words, the Hebrew word when God asks people to count people is the same word as to lift your head. So when God counts people, he lifts people's heads because he loves them and he wants to see them. So for God, people are more than just numbers. You know, they're individuals. And yet we do need to know how many we've got of various peoples or or money or categories. So I, I guess it's about counting for the right reasons. And uh, in the book, if you read the book, I've got four bad reasons for counting things and four good reasons for counting things. And you'll have to buy the book and read it to uh, to see what those are. No, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> but but as, as I think a number of people know the, the kind of the time that David was counting and, and God was upset and the, the kind of yeah. consequences for for the loss of life was was quite extreme. And so a lot of people are all very nervous about doing any counting. So it was how it was handy to realise that, of course, there's plenty of good counting that goes on, and um, us knowing who's who's you know part of our church, who's joined membership, who's become a Christian, is is, is totally appropriate and uh, and to be commended. Yeah, absolutely. As long as it's lifting people's heads. Yes. As long as we really see people as individuals, then yeah, counting can be very important. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and there's a lot of comparison that goes on in the Christian world. Uh, there is. And, <laughs> I, I, I mean, no doubt, media outlets such as Premier can unwittingly promote the less helpful elements of that because, of course, you know, the media often focuses upon the, you know, what seems to be the glossy and the successful, etc. And and folk listening can think, crumbs, I'm not not doing terribly well. And I'm wondering if, as in your your early years or, you know, early time as as Bishop of Penrith, you know, within your diocese, you're clearly meeting with some who are where things are flourishing and perhaps other things where things are perhaps numerically less positive. Uh, so when can comparison be good and when not? And how do you, how are you chatting with clergy about these kind of themes? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think the tendency to compare ourselves with others is something that all leaders face, probably all people face, but certainly all leaders face, and certainly clergy and Christian ministers. And, you know, I'm, I'm ministering in uh, rural Cumbria, you know, right up in the northwest, and, and it's hard work. We have a lot of very small churches, small and faithful churches, and there can be the tendency to kind of, you know, look over the borders and see some big shiny things that are going on. Um, but actually, as you say, it is about counting and comparing for the right reasons. And I love that, you know, radio stations like your own feature really good news stories. I think it's really good to look at what others are doing and to say, wow, that's great. You know, God's doing a really important thing there um, to celebrate the ministry of others. Um, but it is so easy, isn't it, just to look at others and to feel negative about ourselves. And I think that's the thing that I'm trying to address in the book, you know, how do we live well with that? So John Wimber used to talk about the importance of living for an audience of one, Jesus. And I love that. That's something I've really tried to develop in my own life. How do I make sure that I'm living for Jesus as the audience of one um, and not comparing myself negatively with others? But that's not an easy journey. And that's part of why I wanted to write the book, really, um, to help other Christian leaders to think about that. Sure. And um, yeah, clearly, the, the the role of a bishop can you know can be challenging in terms of of how you know what when people try to evaluate what you're doing, you know, there's a sense in which you know you might feel that you know maybe maybe you could do more, maybe you could do less because you're you're having to make choices every day. I mean, I remember listening to to Tom Wright, and, you know, yeah. the Bishop of yeah. Durham, and how how difficult you know looking back on his time, he's thinking uh, crumbs, you know. Did, did I do the right thing? Sometimes I, you know, got involved in things that maybe weren't as important as others, and that's a, a daily challenge for you. It is, and I think as you, you know, as you lead on a wider canvas, as it were, and, and, and certainly being a bishop, a lot of what you do is quite public, so people can see that and see what you're up to. So there's always the need to sort of check your motivations and stay focused on God and say, am I doing the right things? I think that's why it's really important that we are... Um, that we always lead in community, you know, that we've got other people to, to watch us, to speak into our lives, to be accountable to. So I, in the book, I do encourage people to find mentors and people who can walk along, alongside them to really reflect with them on some of this, of this stuff. Sure. And, yeah. um, I mean, talking more broadly, you, uh, there's hints within the book, of course, of your, your previous work as principal of, uh, of Trinity College in, in Bristol. Right, um, yeah. And yeah. I'm just wondering how that... Uh, how uh, becoming the bishop of of, of Penrith, uh, back into if you like more cold face style ministry, mm. um, how you reflect upon your time as principal and what you were doing there and uh, in, in the kind of work of of of, of training uh, people into uh, Christian ministry. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, as you say, sort of now I'm going around to lots of different churches and visiting them and encouraging them and seeing what they're doing on the ground. And so it's kind of the other side of the yeah. fence, really, from the training thing. And and I think above all, you know, what the, both being at Trinity and being a bishop, what it really gives me is is great hope actually in the church and in what God is doing on the ground. You know, there's some brilliant things going on in the Diocese of Carlisle in Cumbria, where I am. Um, people really trying to do creative things to reach people for the gospel. Um, and at Trinity, I saw people being trained really well for that. So I think it's about 
um, developing the right kind of character. You know, how do we not just teach people in our colleges how to do things, although that's important, you know, how to preach a good sermon and how to do a funeral, but also how do we develop those character traits that are the ones that are in line with Jesus and the Holy Spirit that help us to go out and do stuff on the ground. So two sides of a coin, really. It's fascinating going from one to another and uh, both brilliant environments to work in. Yeah. And, and certainly Trinity, uh, certainly in your day, was was very aware that it's it's both an academic learning, but it's also a formation of of a person into you know to, to increasing likeness of Christ, which of course is the role of all Christians, but particularly Christian leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And doing that in community, as you say, that was the great value at Trinity that people were together, um, eating, worshiping, learning, laughing, weeping. You know, all of those things that um, that mean we form each other in the likeness of Christ. So yeah, it, it's a great place to be. Yeah. Um, you talking more broadly? Uh, we we talked about. You know a little bit about what you hope for the book, but have you got other things that you'd want to say about what you hope the book would do in terms of mm. uh, the sort of its role within our thinking about leadership? Yeah, I mean, I suppose one of the things I hope it might do, one of the things I wanted to do is just speak into this whole culture that you mentioned about counting stuff in the church. You know, I think we are quite ambitious as a church these days. We we're we're putting money into projects we're wanting to see how successful they are and so there's lots of counting that goes on i mean you know name a church meeting that anyone went to recently where there wasn't a graph in it somewhere you know we're kind of obsessed with looking at things going up and down and numbers and so i think i just wanted to speak into that context and say that's great you know we do need to count things we do need to measure things but how do we make sure that we're measuring the right things how do we make sure that we're valuing what god values how do we make sure that we're seeing growth in the right way? So if the book just helps us as a church to think through some of those issues a bit more deeply, then I'd be really delighted about that. Um, and I hope it might be a book that will just encourage Christian leaders, not just in the church, but in, in other spheres as well, um, you know, day-to-day life and leadership, and just maybe lift off some of the burdens that we feel as leaders and just give people freedom to think, oh, yeah, I feel like that too. Um, I'm not alone in thinking like that. How can I look at that with the lens of faith? How can I see my ambitions through the lens of faith? Um, How can I live well as a leader? Um, And I really hope that, I mean, when I was writing the book, I tried to write uh, with a bit of humour. I tried to be quite honest about some of my own struggles and failings. So I really hope that people will enjoy reading it. You know, it's not too heavy a a read, so I hope people will enjoy um, reading it. No, you have lots of humour, and uh, yeah, often in brackets. So just a spot, yes, little, little, aside. little sides, which yeah, <laughs> yes. which which were thrilling. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it enormously. I'm not just saying that because I had to read it for the sake of uh, sake of this. Yes, that's so, very kind. so how I mean, Good. so listeners could get a copy, obviously, where they get Christian books. It's it's published by SBCK. It is, yeah. Ambition, what Jesus said about power, success and counting stuff, SPCK. Yeah, I um, definitely go to your local independent Christian bookseller and ask them to order some copies in. Um, it's available from the SPCK website at the moment with 20% off, so it's just seven ninety nine at the moment. And um, yeah, it would make a great Christmas present for all the leaders in your life, so <laughs> do go out and buy them. Absolutely. So that's... Uh, so well, thank you so much for, for sparing the time to talk about this and for, and for writing the book. So much 
appreciate well, it. Well, thank you, Andy. Thanks very much. It's been lovely talking to you. So that's uh, Emma Einson, the Bishop of uh, Penrith, and the book, again, is Ambition, What Jesus Said About Power, Success and Counting Stuff. And if you're wondering about the spelling, uh, Einson is I-N-E-S-O-N, uh, pronounced Einson. And uh, this is Andy Peck thanking you for joining us. Uh, do check out the, the podcast online on Premier Radio, iTunes or Podbean. And uh, the words of the uh, Apostle Paul as we uh, as we close. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. Thank you.